This is the intro to the Julianne Vicero podcast that we just recorded, and I am recording this after the podcast because I wanted to share with you a little bit about Ashley and I's thoughts around what just happened. We are in a co-working space using the Wi-Fi that ended up using us and making a joke out of our situation. It was shit. It was total shit and it didn't work and we were super excited to have Julianne on the podcast like super stoked so much to get through with her and the Wi-Fi and the universe had a different plan for us. So I want to share with you our interpretation of that really quickly and briefly after the situation the podcast which was beautiful when we did have moments of clarity but it was certainly frustrating when we didn't. Ashley and I came outside and she asked, why do you think this happened for us? In what way is the universe giving us a lesson with what we just experienced? And I know Julianne will appreciate this perspective. So my perspective is this. The service was bad. The, the connection was quite poor. So that is you know, we're we're trying to deduct a meaning from the poor or less than ideal interaction between us. And what we decided, at least for myself, that Ashley seemed to agree upon is the meaning of what that was for us was a disconnection to the experience or a non-alignment of some in some way to that experience. But what Julianne meant to us was this idea of power, pleasure, eroticism, sexuality, a a person that we really idolize in many ways and what she's putting out there in the world. So if she means that to us and we experience a disconnection to her in that experience of the podcast, what does this mean for us? Maybe Ashley and I are in some way not connected or disconnected from our power, from our pleasure, from our sensual and sexual centers. Maybe the universe is showing us this is how we're not showing up for ourselves, very much how Julianne is showing up for herself and her clients. And we will never know the fucking meaning completely, but that is what we're going to deduct from it. That is what we're taking from it. And that means we have a little bit to work on here, and we are now going to start that process of acknowledging those parts of ourselves. And with that, enjoy the podcast, whom or which Ashley very, very well edited to piece together all of the the black spots in there. Lemonade, as she says, has been created. 
Well, hello, everybody. We are here today on the Journey Doses podcast with the lovely and powerful Julianne Vaccaro. Hey, Julianne, how's it going? Hi. Hello. Thank you for having me here. I'm excited to be here. Of course. Yeah. So I just wanted to share a little bit about, you know, who I think you are, and then you can revise and edit, you know, per (laughs) your, per your uh, desires. So Julianne is, uh, based on what I, you know, first came across on your Instagram, uh, first and foremost, an erotic blueprint master coach. And this is all the hype right now because of the Netflix special that I'm sure we'll end up talking about. But along with that, you're a somatic sexologist and you've created your own system and methodology called the goddess approach for the healing and development of the feminine vulva bodied human. Um, mm-hmm. And along with that, you're, you're into uh, a lot of holistic modalities in healing, whether it be nutrition or spirituality as well. And with that means you're just into all of it pretty much. <laughs> <laughs> yep. I'm a shapeshifter at heart. <laughs> so is that actually your erotic blueprint? Yes. I'm, I'm a shapeshifter and primarily I would say I'm an energetic. That's like my core, core erotic blueprint would be energetic, sensual, and then shapeshifter. All right. Yeah. So I'm energetic and then shapeshifter and then Ashley, do you, I got, I got shapeshifter. Yeah. For anyone that doesn't know, this is a little, uh, little quiz you can take for yourself and you can find it through Julianne's, uh, bio, but, um, and she can probably talk more to what it actually is. Yeah. But so yeah, like, absolutely. what is, I wanted to ask first, like what is heaviest and most potent for you these days? Because you're creating a lot, you're into a lot, like what has got you really fucking excited right now? Hmm. So many different things. Uh, definitely the erotic blueprints. Like you said, we just got picked up on Netflix for sex, love and goop. We've had a couple of other coaches have really incredible shows. Uh, Caitlin Victoria, she's a YouTube creator she just got on some i think it's like a vh1 or mtv show i don't think mtv oh, wow. is actually around anywhere is it <laughs> i'm <laughs> not sure just we VH1. don't have cable so <laughs> i know me neither uh so yeah erotic blueprints are really the hype and i love what was in sex love and goop because it highlighted so many of the practices and materials that I use in my business. And it just Mm. feels like it's bringing so much awareness to this body of work that is so taboo that so many of us are like, what the hell is that? What is this is so weird. What do you mean? They're touching you there. How do they sex coach? Like, do they watch you? So that really excites me. And, um, I just started a facilitator training to bring this bond integrated into their own business and into their own methodology. So I would say those are the two things that are really lighting me up right now. Yeah. And that's called in the flesh mystery school, right? Which we'll definitely get more into. Um, but first do you mind explaining a little bit more in depth of what the erotic blueprints are and why they might benefit somebody? Like, why would anybody want to spend more time on another quiz on another typing test? Like why? (laughs) totally other than like everyone loves personality tests I think that's why they're they're so much fun to play with because I think that when it comes to sexuality so many of us are so are scared right there's so much shame there's all of these different ideas that we have about what sex is what sex is not how we should be doing it how we shouldn't be doing it and so with the erotic blueprints it feels like it's just such a fun framework to really get an understanding about who you are as an erotic being so it's basically like having an easy to follow roadmap to your sexuality. And it's really about understanding, like, where are you 
in your eroticism and your sexuality. You get to explore through the blueprints. And it's also really powerful to unleash more of who you are and really expand who you are as an erotic being. Uh, so it's a, it's a really potent framework that allows you to receive the language and words to really get your needs met in the bedroom and meet the needs of your lovers so that you can be an even better pleasure giver, right? To yourself first and foremost, but also to your partners. And yeah, it really helps to support you in understanding like, where do you want to be? Where do you want to grow? Yeah. If you don't know, you don't know, right? Like, so if you have some sort of framework, I would imagine whether it be in life or in the bedroom or wherever, having the framework and and language around choices, right? Mm -hmm. Extremely helpful. And when it comes to any sort of development, right? When it, when it comes to our needs being met, whether it be the inner child work or the sexual needs being met, that's really what all of the work or much of the work comes down to. How are we getting our needs met? Mm -hmm. Yeah, Yeah. absolutely. I really liked just hearing you say that it gives you the language because I think I said that. No, she said that. And then you reflected it. Thank you. Okay. Um, <laughs> Sorry, Julianne. Stealing your shit. We yeah. like to bicker. It's That's fine. Like, okay. It's <laughs> um, probably like- Jaya's anyway. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, but I liked that because I think, I mean, it's all about communication, which is like this skill that we all say is super important, but how do we foster and practice? And we, we need language, like feelings are where it's all rooted in, but how do we transform that into words in order to communicate, you know, with our loved ones and our partners? So I really just wanted to emphasize and say, I liked that. But the other thing I wanted to say personally from just, just doing the quiz, I I haven't been able to go any deeper and get any more information, but just doing the quiz and getting the shapeshifter result, which was hilarious to me because it was basically like equal percentage everything. And and then just a little (laughs) bit more in the shapeshifter. And to be honest, when I was, um, when I was answering the quiz questions, I was like, you know, these are things I've not considered for myself, really. Like it's, mm-hmm. it's, it gives you these like spectrums to kind of say, is it this or this both or neither? And it was just really interesting for me to work through this like 20 question quiz, just took a few minutes and to be like, wow, these are things I haven't really considered. Like what, what, what does turn me on? Like, hello, we should totally, we should, I, I don't want to say should, but we should know what turns us on. So what's the, what's yeah. your favorite question on that quiz? Can you, can you think of your favorite question on that quiz, Julianne? Ooh, I'm not sure if I'm being honest, I haven't taken it personally in a while. Cause I really like, so the quiz is so powerful. And just to speak into what you were saying too, Ashley, like we often don't have, we haven't, given ourselves a space and time to really sit down with ourselves and say like, what do we like? How do we want to be touched? And how does our body like to be touched? Not from a logical level, but from a body level. And I think that with the quiz and with the blueprints, it's something that releases so much shame because when you actually start to understand like, oh, these are actually archetypes and there's superpowers to every single one of them. Then there's shadow elements and expressions. It kind of takes the shame element down a couple of notches. I don't know if you guys felt that at all. I love the quiz because it gives you a really great starting point. And then the more that you go into the blueprints, you can actually, you start to actually get into the body, right. Is, which is why I love in the flesh for the mystery school. Cause it's like, what is the flesh what's happening in there? And so mm-hmm. even when we take this quiz, we're still thinking about 
what we like. Like it's still something that's from the neck up. And so it's like, okay, how do we actually get into the body and body map ourselves and test like what parts of the body, like energetic touch, what parts of our bodies like kinky touch and what does the body actually say? Mm. So I think for a lot of us, and as you've probably seen on Goop, if you've watched and for those listening, one of the, the man, um, the, one of the men who was on the show thought he was really high uh, sexual. And then when we got him on the table, when Jaya got him on the table, he was highly energetic, right? And so it was uncovering this other blueprint that he didn't even know turned him on. He didn't even know he had the ability to, to be that aroused without having any hands on the body. And that happens a lot. Yeah, the container to be able to explore those things, especially I feel like a lot of women are talking about pleasuring and embodiment, but you know, for me, I'll speak from my, my cock bodied self, as I've Mm -hmm. heard you say, I couldn't wait to say that by the way, um, (laughs) (laughs) that, um, men are really not exploring those containers for themselves. So yeah, I mean, I hope to shine some light on that in the future going forward, but, um, I'm grateful you said that too, because we just had like an erotic blueprint coach yesterday, a call, and we were talking about how much how powerful it was for so many men who watched to see Ian there. Cause Ian is such an important part of this work. Like, and I've, I've gotten the honor to work with the both of them. And so to see like Ian and his pleasure and give men the permission to have that kind of sex and to be that turned on was just really beautiful. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, we'll be honest, we actually haven't been able to watch it because we're in the middle of nowhere where we live right now in our trailer and we have no Wi-Fi. But what I hope to do while in this co-working space is download every episode of that onto my phone. <laughs> totally. All of my my storage and watch that later today. <laughs> <laughs> It'll be worth it. Yeah, I bet. I remember listening to a podcast of Jaya a couple of years ago on the Luke Story podcast, the Lifestylist uh, podcast, I believe. And uh, she did a live event and they recorded it and there were somewhere in LA, but um, the idea of an energetic orgasm to me where they displayed that in live setting, I was just like blown away. Like one, I don't know if this is actually possible. This is hard for me to believe, but two, wow, like how vulnerable and amazing for her and for anybody to share that Mm-hmm. To, to the world. And I think that's what drew me to you because I, I honestly, I haven't known you very long. I haven't been following your stuff for very long, but I came across you and initially looked at what you, you have going on. And I was just like, wow, this is a powerful mm-hmm. woman. She's putting out real shit and I need to know it. And I think other people mm-hmm. need to know it. So what do we need to know right now? <laughs> Thank <laughs> so, you. Thank you for that big question. <laughs> <laughs> it is. I mean, the first thing that comes in is I was just writing a post about how stress affects our ability to turn on and our arousal. And I think that's a really big, important piece to know about your body, because I think that for a lot of us, we are often pushing the boundaries of what our body is capable of doing and kind of like coming close to our edges throughout the day all of the time. And for so many of us, we're living a really high stress lifestyle and it plays into every area of our life, right? It affects our adrenals, it affects our nutrition, it affects our sleep, but it also affects our sexuality. And so I think that for a lot of women who are living in this very high stressed lifestyle, who are in survival mode, sex is the last thing that they think about. It's the last thing that they desire 
And then there's this shame element that comes in where it's like, well, I should be desiring my partner. Like, why not? Why don't I want to have sex? And so I think that when I talk about pleasure and really the work that I do so much of what I really encourage listeners to play with is finding relaxation first and really making relaxation the first step and creating safety in the body before even having the goal of pleasure, like really get grounded allow your body to downregulate, relax, create safety. So many of us don't even know what safety feels like. Like you said, it's like the body knows what to do. It, it does. It knows how to heal when it's in a safe space and feels hell to really do me up is being able to provide those spaces for people to experience themselves through their bodies in ways that they've never felt before. What's your favorite way of relaxing and downregulating right now? Mm, uh, psilocybin and baths. Mm, simultaneously. Yeah. Mm-hmm. yeah. I've, I've been microdosing and then taking a hot bath. Like as soon as I jump out of bed, I'll set my alarm. And sometimes I just wake up at like five 45 or six and I'll take my little microdose and I'll create something and write something. And then I'll go take a bath and just like sit in it and sit in it and sit in it. And it feels like I'm kind of purging everything out. And then I'll run mm. to my other shower and take a cold shower and then I'll get back in the bath and I'll do that until my body just feels complete. Like a lot of information comes in and I'll be journaling while I'm in there and different pieces of content will come out. Awarenesses will come through business ideas, uh, and, and insights. And then, and then I go throughout my day and it feels like I talked about this on my platform the other day, but it's like, we also have blueprint stacks. So the shapeshifter wants all of it all the time. And there's a way that you can kind of go through the blueprints. And as you work with them, you'll see like, what is my body like? And what's the order of it? So for me, I Mm. say I'm primary energetic because when I start an energetic, my body's able to go into all of the blueprints so much better. Whereas if I were to start with kinky or if I were to start with sexual, my body will often uh, like short circuit, which happens to a lot of energetics. And so I move through my day in the same way. And it feels so good to me. It's like when I start my day in the energetic or sensual blueprint or both, then I'm able to handle all of the stimulus that my day has for me because I'm grounded, I'm in my body, and then I can handle all of the pressures and the, and the acts, so to speak, if you want to call it that. That is, I mean, super inspiring to me. I think that most people start their day just running, right? And I know mm-hmm. I'm guilty of this to some extent where, you know, I've just started a, a routine to, you know, really hold myself accountable to, to starting a day mindfully, but getting in a bath and, and microdosing, that sounds like another level to me. And I wish I had a bath to be able to do so. And actually I'm curious. So like from, from the outside looking in people that maybe just really are this, this whole topic of conversation is just like wildly new. What something that I gather at the surface is that from what you share is that there is this connection between like, as you say, like your pussy power, but also like your sexual energy to other avenues of life. But in the example you gave with, with kind of down regulating, it's a bath and it's a microdose. So does, does a daily like process of getting into a safe, secure place in order to do more always involve some sort of like physical sexual activity for yourself or with another, or, or can it be something just like a bath? Hmm. I like this question. I just want to make sure I'm understanding it fully. So the question is like, ask me one more time. I just want to hear it again. Basically in my long, in my less worded 
way of saying it. Do I always have to orgasm every day in order to be able to accomplish everything else? Or are there other ways? Yeah. So uh, here's my take on it. I don't think you have to do anything. It's really Mm -hmm. about what works for you, right? Like there's, there's no one way. And I think that for some of us listening or for some of you out there, it might feel like, oh my God, the thought of having to orgasm every day feels absurd and so unreachable, right? That might be a really big leap from where you're at. And it might bring up, like, I know I've had clients um, or women come to me who get really triggered by content that that might seem that it's like, I don't have the fucking time to self-pleasure or like, I just don't fucking want to do it. And so I, I used to have a lot of that too. And I remember one of my mentors was like, do you always want to cook yourself food? Do you always want to go to the gym? No, but like be your own best lover. So I think that understanding the science behind the body and female pleasure, which we don't really have a lot of information about as is like, it's still something that's developing, but when you understand the science behind it, it's so much more powerful. Powerful. Like when I was in the health and nutrition space, one of the analogies that I always used was eat. So education, awareness, and then trial and experimentation. Like if you understand how your body works and you know why you're doing the things that you're doing, you're so much more inclined to actually do them. And then you get the body awareness of like, okay, so, okay, now I understand how more of how my body is communicating with me. And now let's go into the trial and experimentation. So when it comes to orgasms, um, you get a huge increase in dopamine, right? Which also is, is so powerful to give you these happy boosting hormones. And it's also really powerful because it allows you to really connect to your own mysticism, your confidence, like the realization of who you are as a divine being. So there's something to be said about the science behind orgasms, right? Like it, it increases our immunity. It helps the anti-aging process. It helps us sleep better. Um, it increases so many different things in our body in a positive way, but to say that you have to do it every day. No, but to me, I'm like, okay, I know that this is going to make it's irrit, irrit, irrit. Ear it, we're frozen <laughs> and we're gonna sing because we're frozen and we don't know if julianne can hear us sing but we are vocalizing no. all right julianne so you actually have a podcast yourself and it seems like you've been doing it for quite a long time i believe i saw you started back in 2018 and mm-hmm. um it's 2021, three years. You're almost at 300 episodes. What What's that journey been like? Because we're obviously curious and just having started our podcast journey. Yeah, it's been really, I mean, delicious comes in first. I remember when I first started my podcast, I was living in Queens in New York and I would sit at the edge of my bed. I love sitting on the floor. So I'm, I'm still sitting on the floor even four <laughs> years later. Um, but I don't do it in my closet anymore. I do it in the office. So yeah, my, my podcast started, I often think back to that because I feel like I am often recommitting to like what my mission is and recommitting to the leader that I am and always redefining like, who am I? What do I stand for? What's the message? And so I love this question because it really, I feel like when I started my podcast, so much of my intention was popping the illusion, like popping the illusion that so many of us 
live in that I was living in when it came to my body, when it came to nutrition, body image, like happiness. And so, so many of the episodes that I first started airing on the podcast were like talking about taboo things, like talking about my Adderall addiction, talking about the the countless abusive relationships that I found myself in, like talking about my PED usage when I was in the NPC and how eating disorders were so normalized and how it would be a joke in the industry. And so I just started to like talk about these things that everybody was talking about, but in really small circles, not at the, in the bigger scale of things. And so my experience was like, was extreme frustration. Like, why are we talking about this in small circles in secret when everybody that I talk to is struggling with this, but no one wants to say it louder for the people in the back. And when I started having these conversations and bringing more of these things to the public eye, it felt like so many women were leaning in and being like, oh my God, I struggle with that. Oh my God, the same thing happened to me. Oh my God, yes, I relate, I relate, I relate. And it started creating so much space for me and so much freedom and permission to be like, oh, so nothing's wrong with me. Like nothing wrong, nothing's wrong with my body. Nothing's wrong with any about who I am. And like, nothing's wrong with you. We're just all experiencing this shit together. And okay, what now? Like, how do we fix this? How do we come together and really change the way that we believe things should be and the way that the things, these things are? Yeah. And to me, your message does come through very clear. And obviously I haven't listened to all 300 episodes yet. Give me, give me a little (laughs) bit of time, but um, in the ones I've listened to, it is very clear. And the vulnerability to me is, is really potent. And I think that, um, yeah, especially when women can relate to your experiences, that's, that's what we all want. We want to be able to relate in some way in our own hardships, and that can give us some guidance and hope in, in finding our ways out of that community. Yeah. Community, community and what we're going through. But you do have a really unique history um, based on what I, some of the things I've read. So you were, you were actually competing in figure and bikini bodybuilding events. Mm-hmm. And then you came through and found more of like the holistic perspective uh, on health. Like how did that transition happen? So when I was about 19 and I, I entered into the whole arena because I was really ruled by this desire of perfection and so much of, well, I'll get to that. So I went into that space around like, okay, if I can figure out the nutrition and I can master this in my life, then I, then I'll have to be happy because I'll have the perfect body. Mm. So I did every different dietary theory out there, like macrobiotics, Atkins, South beach, keto, like everything. And I was raw vegan for about three years and I loved it. It, it felt really good for a while until all of a sudden it didn't feel good at all. And my body started to crap out on me and I got really severe adrenal fatigue. I remember I went to an oriental medicine doctor and she was like, your adrenals are like the adrenals of a 60 year old. Like I would black up every time I stood up and I was gaining weight. My hair was falling out. Like it was awful. And I was only, I think like 21. And so that was really like my first pointing, my first turning point where I realized, okay, I can eat so clean. Like I can eat hundred percent organic. I can go to the farm across the street. I can juice and smoothie every day, which I was, and still not have it work for you if it's not right for your body type. So I was in a relationship that just like, wasn't working for me. I was, I didn't have a lot of community. I was living in a new place where I didn't have a lot of friends. And so of course the adrenal fatigue started to set in and I healed the adrenal fatigue, bounced back and 
but I still didn't get to the root cause. Like I still was ruled by this idea of perfection. And that was when I went hard into the fitness space. That was when I was teaching yoga. I went and was a UFC gym instructor for about four years and um, was really great. I was a great personal trainer. And then I found bodybuilding and I was like, okay, if, if I can look like that, that has to be the thing. Like I will do anything. I'll eat broccoli, chicken and rice all damn day if I can look like that. And I had really extreme behaviors. I was resonate with perfectionist tendencies, know that they really go hand in hand. And so I went hard into the fitness space. That was when I really started experimenting with PEDs and I was taking Adderall. And, and again, all of this stuff was just so normal. Like it was so normal to everybody that was around me. But there was a part of me that was like, this isn't okay. <laughs> this is not okay. I knew it wasn't okay. And so I think two and a half years into that journey, it was my last show. I... I would go to Target and I would always convince myself that I was going to buy these snacks and I'd shave it. I'd save it till post show, but they never made it to post show. Like I literally had to save a cash box that I bought at Walmart and would give my mom and dad the keys. I was living at home at the time and like give them the keys to lock my snacks up at night. But then I would be this like little scoundrel and I'd find the key or like I heard a spare key or I'd hold the, like, it was so <laughs> conniving. It was so old by food. And so I, I found myself in a really awful binge and I, just really looked at myself in the mirror and was like, for who, like, for who are you doing this for what you're 25 the, you know, this isn't going to be the rest of your life. So if you don't stop now, when are you going to stop? And that was really the turning, like the, the second turning point for me where I was like, okay, let's fucking do this. Mm -hmm. And so I stopped competing and that was when I really wanted to combine the world of holistic nutrition and aesthetics. Like it was, it was for me, it was like, okay, I know I can, I know I can heal myself from the inside out and I really love playing with image. So like, how do I blend these two worlds and actually get the body that I love, but from a place of nourishment and whole and wholeness and self-love. And that was really when I started to create my methodology because so many of the spaces where I was looking for support, like like I would go to doctors and I'm like, my, my hormones are all over the fucking place. Like I have severe gut issues and everybody would be like, you're fine. You have perfect health. And I'm like, I'm not, it's not perfect health. Like something's wrong. Like I didn't get my period for two years. Mm. So I just started to do a lot of my own research plus with all the training that I did in holistic health coaching school. And so I really started to combine the worlds for me and yeah, that was, that was really how I started to get to the root cause and how I became just a leader in the, the holistic health coaching space. And I was working with a lot of women that had similar journeys as me, like women that had been hospitalized for eating disorders and are still struggling or women that trained like, like athletes or competitors, but didn't actually do it. Right. It was all about deprivation and mm. overtraining. And so I, I worked with them and myself on getting to the root cause. And the work that we were really doing was more on the mental, emotional, and spiritual level. And then all the physical stuff started to just not be such a big fucking deal because mm -hmm. we were getting to the root cause and we were moving the energy. And then the food stuff started to be so easier because there was so much more space to implement the tangible steps that I was giving them. Wow. Yeah, absolutely. And, you know, I, I really, you said you, you really love image and playing with that holistically now, and you have a really great display of that transformation on your website of what your body went through. So if anybody wants to go look at like literally Julianne through those phases of her life, like she's actually putting that out there for people to see and how she was looking and how she was feeling in those stages of her life. And I, I appreciate that vulnerability because that really shows it. 
mm. along yeah, with this, for sure. along with you sharing your story, um, obviously. So a little bit of a transition. Um, what is going on with you in relationship these days? I'm aware that you have a partner, but you are also practicing or open to polyamory. And how do you find that um, committed relationship and polyamory work for you now? Yeah. So it's been a journey, I would say, to get to the place where I'm at now in relationship, like such a big journey. It's been so much of where my work has been. I feel like looking at my astrological birth chart, I'm like, of course, all my learning has been in the realm of relationships and with my body. So when I met my partner, Paul, I was really clear and had had very much just declared like a deeper level of this is no lot like I'm no longer available for these things. These are the only things that I am now available for. And one of them was was a polyamorous relationship because so much of my work feels like it's through my body. And I have been really working on marrying freedom and love and it felt like so many of my relationships that I had experienced, it was one or the other. Like I didn't get the freedom if I had the love and I didn't have the love if I had my freedom. And so much of my inner being is, is about freedom and it's so important to me. And so when I met Paul, it was like, okay, I have broken out of the shackles and the chains in so many areas of my life and I'm unwilling to put them back on for partnership. And I've detached sexuality from relationship. And I need a partner that understands that too. And so we entered into that relationship and there was a knowing that we would step into the poly space and we fell deeply in love. And so we've been living monogamously for the last 10 months and we moved in rather quickly and it's been so incredible. And now we're at the point where we're stepping into that space. So for the last 10 months, we've really been working on creating stability and working through, not even working through, but finding our flow, like finding the flow of being in a newish relationship, also adding the element of living together, both of us being super powerful humans and on a big mission. How do those two things flow together? And so we've been really finding our groove and it's been so amazing. And now we're in a space where we're like, okay, like we're no, we know we're going to head into this space. I know this is a non-negotiable for me. So if we're going to be together for, for a hot minute, then we better get into this territory now to see like, if we can withstand this and there's, there's a knowing that we will. And yeah, I'm curious what questions you have from that or if I answered the question. Yeah, definitely answered it. And I'm just curious, what's Paul mirroring for you right now? I would say that it's so fun because, of course, it's getting mirrored back to me in my own field with clients has been standing standing in my desires unapologetically in the pressure cooker of a relationship, so to speak. Like, mm-hmm. it's so easy to be a sexually liberated human when you're single. It's so easy, right? And you said, I'm so vulnerable in all of the spaces that I'm in. So I'll talk about it on my platforms. I'll talk about it with my community, to my clients, to my podcast listeners. But standing in that level of embodiment and freedom with another human who you're deeply committed and in love with is just another layer. So for me, it's been, for me, it's been pulling up the deeper stories that are there that again, I've worked through, but it's like, 
fuck, like that still lives, right? Like the, are you going to think I'm a slut if I want to go here and fuck these people? Are you going to love me less? Are you going to, are you going to have revenge towards me? Like there's so much little girl fear there. And there, there was so much little girl fear there because so much of my history with abusive partners and, and this, again, this combination or duality of like love and freedom. And so in so many of my enrollment calls lately for in the flesh, it's been really beautiful because a lot of the women, like, how do I go back to my partner and say, I want to invest 25 grand in this. And it's, and it's holding that even when you don't get their approval. Yeah, that's big. I mean, most people Mm -hmm. I'd say are pretty non-confrontational, like conflict avoidant in my experience. So to be really true and honest with your desires and, and standing strong with them is it's not, not easy. And we're, mm-hmm. we're afraid uh, of the judgment. Um, and especially if it's this primary partner that we have that is, you know, we've been with for a while, you know, that's the person that we, we crave the most approval of or um, desire from. And if it's not there for something that we really strongly desire, then that, that can be really difficult. And I just had one question too, because you were talking about how, there is still sometimes fear fueled by these, these old stories that you, you think you've worked through, but they keep, you know, coming up when this fear comes up again, like how, what kind of tools or practices do you put in play in order to, I, I don't know, move, move beyond it, move through it, move with it. Like, what do you do when those fears arise? So for me, it feels like when, these things come back, so to speak. It's like a familiar friend. Like there's a part of me that says, I know you and familiar, and I know how to sit with you. And I know the reframes that you need. And I know how you want to be held in love. And if I don't, then I ask you. And then that part tells me. So I think that it gets easier and easier. It doesn't mean that the feeling doesn't stop, right? It doesn't mean that the pain or the contraction or the resistance doesn't show up. It just means that I'm much more effective at alchemizing that and moving through it faster, I'd like to think. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I also think that there's part, you know, it's it's like we have the individual experience, but then there's also also the collective experience. I was writing a post um, this morning about when I bought my first sex toy and how much shame that held for me. And I was like, I, you know, just there was so much shame around buying my first sex toy. And in this post, I was writing how much of how much I thought that women who had sex toys were like, you know, the bad ones or they were the other ones. And what I was getting at at the end of the post was how that is still alive in me sometimes. Like there'll be moments where I have, you know, a momentary like, oh my God, does everybody want to exile me? Like, it feels like I'm going to be canceled. Right. And then this year I have been canceled off Instagram. There's still that fear that comes up for me sometimes where I'm like, this is edgy. There's so many people that are sex positive and get this. And there's also a lot of us who don't understand the fear and the parts that come back up. It's like, yes, some of it's yours and some of it's not yours. A lot of it's collective. A lot of it is the human experience. And it's so deeply embedded who we are in who we are. Like we carry 14 generations worth of trauma in our tissue. So that fear is not just mine, right? It's my mother's, it's my sister's, it's my grandmother's, it's all of the women in my lineage before me. And it's from all of the women that are around me. That's hugely important. I hope everybody really heard that. It's not 
all of your shit all the time. Yes, it is mm-hmm. very much your responsibility in your experience, but just know it comes from a far greater place. Yeah. And um, so one thing that I really appreciate about what you offer is how raw you are and how much you believe that much of your power comes from your pussy. <laughs> like this is a foreign concept for me because I don't, you know, live with one, but yeah, you do. Well, I live <laughs> with one. I don't experience life <laughs> with a vulva at this current time or in this current life. But um, so can you explain a little bit how pleasure, how your vulva, how your pussy can actually translate into a powerful purpose in the world, how it can create abundance for you? Yeah, absolutely. Such a big question. So our sexuality is is our life force, right? Like sexual energy is the most powerful energy that exists out there. It's the same frequency as love, the same frequency as money. And so when we're cutting off our sexuality, when we're disconnected from it, we're quite literally disconnected from our life force. We're disconnected from our magnetism, our radiance. And the longer it goes unnoticed, like the more that we push it off and pretend like it's not a big deal, the louder the body starts to get. And the louder our soul, I feel, starts to get to grab our attention. So it shows up like we get disconnected from our creativity. We don't feel as creative. Our self-trust starts to shrink. We often dissociate. Um, We start to feel really disconnected from our emotions. Our voice starts to get a lot quieter. We lose our sense of self. Like we feel, I don't know, maybe a little depressed, probably a little bit anxious. We feel really unfulfilled. And then it starts to manifest in the physical body. And often it shows up as hormonal imbalances, really painful periods, like digestive issues. And then we go into like, okay, what do I control? Where can I find control? And we start to micromanage everything like our men and our friends and outcomes and business and food. So it's like when we are connected, we are harnessing our full power and we're connected to our life force energy, which again, those words of like magnetism and radiance arise because when we're connected to that, if you're talking about it from an energetic perspective, with which everything is energy, right? We are so much, we're, we're vibrating at a frequency that is so powerful, that is so clear, that is so big, that is so like pure because we're standing in our truth by harnessing this and also tapping into our own like unique flavor of this energy. And then our manifestation starts to get so much more powerful too, because our signal that we're sending out is so much stronger. Right. And we really start to like capital R realize who we are as divine beings, that we are the deliberate creators and that we are the ones running the show and sure it's a co-creation. And also we have a little, have and hold a lot of power there. So it starts to really show up in our sense of self, I see, and our confidence and our ability to be more assertive in what we ask for and what we desire. So like a lot of times the woman that I work with will come in and feel really disconnected and turned off by their by their sexuality and have a deep craving for it and, and want to be this like erotic sex goddess. But it's so scary because our deepest desires are often our deepest fears. Like, fuck, what if I'm that big? Like there's fear that surrounds that. So 
when a woman I find reconnects with her sexual energy and her power there, she starts to realize that again, she can transmute anything and that she is unstoppable. And so it shows up as asking, asking for more, being open to more the ability starts to start to really receive the big things that we're really trying to call in starts to happen because we're, we get, we just open more to receive, which I find is another really big sticking point for a lot of us. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. I have such a hard time as a, mm-hmm. as a woman receiving, I want to give, give, give. I feel like that's a, a pretty common theme. I don't know what she's talking about, actually. <laughs> well, okay. Anyways. <laughs> so on that note. Like, yeah. <laughs> You're like, I read the rewards. <laughs> <laughs> um, so I've, I've seen you talk about this somewhere before in regards to this power, though. What you are teaching women to create is this, you know, sacred feminine power, right? But how do you manage the the yin with the yang there? Like, how do you not go too far into the yang with that power that you're creating? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So what I see often is that for most of us, regardless of gender, we are living in more of a masculine energy, just the polarity of action and doing and logic. And for a lot of us, especially for vulva bodied humans, it leads to burnout. It has led us to some sort of burnout, right? And so what I see is that there's typically this a resentment that starts to form against the masculine. And again, that's just an energy, not specific to gender, but it's like resistance to structure, resentment to discipline, resentment to these more structured tools that we could implement or ways of being in the world. Like we just kind of dismiss the masculine side because like, well, fuck, you got me into trouble. And oh my God, this feminine energy feels so good. So there's a big pendulum swing. And what I did for myself and I created programs that followed my programs about awakening your feminine, which is like, how do you come into balance though? Right. You actually have to heal your own inner masculine, you have all in your inner father and repair those wounds. Because when you were living in your masculine, it was probably more of a wounded expression. It wasn't really the, the healthy expression. And so what I see is it's about really like dissecting and investigating our relationship with these two polarities and going into it in the feminine and looking at how and where and perhaps why masculine. And I also like to say here too, like, again, masculine and feminine energies don't have anything to do with gender and gender is another really big, important part of the story to look at. So when you're healing these energies also work with them in relationship to like actual men and women, because they have different, you'll relate to each thing differently. Um, And so what I see is this reintegration of masculine qualities and values and ways of being and structures so that you really can come into balance and allow yourself. Like if you feel more comfortable being in your feminine, like all of us have different percentages that feel really good. And when I say percentages, I mean, like some of us feel really great with 70% feminine energy in our bodies. Some of us feel really great with 30% and that will change throughout our life, right? Like everything is fluid. Mm -hmm. So for me, I lived in such a masculine polarity for so long that when I found my feminine, I didn't want to go back into my masculine. And so it was a lot of inner work around 
that energy around men around, okay, how do I bring in structure that feels good when like, what are the signs in my body and in my life where maybe I need less structure or more. And it's, and it's like that trial and experimentation back from the eat analogy that I shared, because in order for you to be, I feel like in order for us to live our own best life, we have to be our own best healer. And we need to know how to listen to our bodies and to really be fluid in what comes our way and know how to respond. So even when it comes to like the structure versus flow thing, like it's going to look different day to day. So again, for me, like that microdose and then a bath in the morning, that feels really good because it feeds that side of me. And then I can go more into like my actions. And I think for me too, I, I have a lot of masculine out. What feels good now? What do I need here? I'm just going <laughs> to sing and you let me know when you can hear me singing because I don't know if you can hear me. <laughs> oh, Lord. Um, no idea. I hear you. <laughs> ah, she hears us. It's really my singing. It's not Ashley. Oh. Like, let's give you some credit here. Hey, I don't know. I think I'm a little delayed. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> All right. I think I have you clearly now. Thank you for laying that out for us and how you find that balance in your power. And um, I'm just going to try to laugh at this big joke happening <laughs> right now. So you know what? I'm, but when we come through Denver, we're going to make sure this happens live. So there's no fucking technology issues. <laughs> Sorry. Um, so okay. a couple things that I hope to round out a little bit is uh, I think what's really important to you and what you're, you're offering to the world is your, your founded methodology of the goddess approach. And I think that's kind of the, the basis of what you're offering in the, in the flesh mystery school as well, right? You're teaching practitioners how to apply this. Am I correct? Yeah, absolutely. So yep. Do you mind sharing a little bit about what that looks like? So if a woman's intrigued in finding uh, themselves, you know, their, their pleasure centers, their, their power, their purpose, what could they expect when they come to you approaching this methodology? Yeah. So hmm, my whole thing has been about, again, popping these illusions. So for the goddess approach, it's been about getting to the root cause, like let's get to the root cause. Let's go into the shit. Let's get right to it. Go into the shadows and really get real and honest about like, where is this stemming from and where is this coming from? So I really like getting to the root cause of whatever symptoms or disease or, you know, loops that we find ourselves in, like what's the root cause. And so we go into every level and layer of who you are. So I have different programs inside of the goddess approach that cover the physical side of things like gut issues, hormone imbalances, you know, natural fertility methods, all of these things. And it's really all been about body sovereignty. I didn't really understand or know what that word meant at the time, but it was about coming home to your intuition and really saying like, fuck you to diet culture, fuck you to mm. the way that I'm supposed to look. And it just went deeper and deeper and deeper for my own journey. And I just kept adding elements to my own methodology. And when I found the work of somatic sexology and, and started working with my mentors, it felt like my work was so incomplete. Like it was like, oh, this was the glue that was missing the whole time. I didn't even realize that it was missing because I had never turned that rock over for myself. So 
And then again, like I mentioned before too, like all of those other things that women were coming in with were just no longer even needing to be spoken about when we got right to the root of pleasure and sexuality. So a lot of the goddess approach has been shifted now into the work of somatics and sexuality and the blueprints and body sovereignty and healing trauma from the tissue. Because when we do that, again, all of those other things are so much more easily applicable and we have so much more space to go and explore how we can optimize these other areas of our, of our body. So if you, you know, if you were to come to work with me, that's, those are the areas that we'd work in first is like, what's your history and, um, what are you really wanting to create? Like, what do you desire? And then we go, we do lots of time traveling (laughs) and lots of, um, touch on our own bodies and, for those of, of my clients that come and do in-person work with me, there's a lot of, a lot of body work there. And so within the flesh mystery school, my vision and so much of what I've been wanting to create has been to get this work out there into the masses. Like when I made this big shift in my business, so many women were resonating and feeling like they didn't know where to go for this or didn't know where to go, especially to learn it. And so I've been sitting on this certification program for years and it was an edge for me to create. There was a lot of like, you know, edges that I needed to blow past to be able to put this out into the world. And, and it's finally here and I'm so excited. So in the flesh mystery school is a 10 month school and we're really diving into somatics, sexuality, the blueprints, quantum body work, again, like body sovereignty, pussy reclamation. And I think that one of the, one of the things with the school is like a lot of people will ask, like, is it a certification? And it's not a certification. Like I didn't want it to be a certification because somatic sexological work isn't legal in any States except for California. And I think that, I mean, now more than ever, we are petrified by other humans and we are so scared of touch and we're so scared of genitals. And like, I want, I want to blow past that. I want to help change that. And I want to also teach how to create those safe spaces. Like how do we educate around consent, around boundaries, around trauma, right? But not just being trauma-informed, how are we also pleasure-informed? That was something that I got from a mentor of mine named Roger, was how do we actually be pleasure-informed practitioners? So within the flesh, it's to me, it's like, how do we be our own best healers? How do we be our own best sexual healers? And then how do we bring this into relationship? Because again, even with my partnership with Paul, like I've really desired, and we've brought in a lot of these practices into our own relationship. And when I say like this work, it's a lot of like, how do we emote? Like, do we know how to hold neutral space for one another when the other person needs to vent and go into their rage, right? Like that's often a lot of the somatic side of things when we do this body work. So yeah, it just, it lights me up to be able to get this work out there to people, because I think that again, it's something that's so taboo, but there's, there's a resonance deep, deep, deep down in our bodies because it's not new. It's, it's ancient wisdom. It's ancient practices that we're just bringing into the modern world and bringing them back. So yeah, like just permission, permission to touch permission to get unweirded out about genitals. <laughs> I'm so fucking excited for this and I'm not a woman <laughs> able to take the course or the the certification, but I assure you Julianne, if I had a vulva, I'd be in that shit. Like a, like a like like a pleasure toy in my vulva. I would be in it. 
And um, if it. there is ever a um, a masculine version of this or a way that uh, uh, a masculine body or I should say a, a cock bodied individual would do something like this, I want to know about it. So let me know uh, when <laughs> that happens. And I want to be respectful of your time. So I could keep going on and on and I'm sure we'll connect again. But the, the last question we tend to ask people that I would love to throw your way is in this life experience you've had so far for how many years? You're asking her how, how old she is? Yeah, pretty much how old are you? I'm going to sing again. <laughs> oh, God. I just turned 30. I turned 30. <laughs> I'm, so, I'm, I'm so happy for you. You're 30. <laughs> that was not the question, by the way. <laughs> yeah, that's not the question. I, um, so sure. the last question that we love to, to attempt to ask people... <laughs> is what's the most potent crazy influential journey that you've been on thus far in your 30 years oh my gosh somatics and sexuality for sure yeah beautiful and so like I, it just feels like it's the beginning to 30 more years of somatics sexuality and poor internet connection <laughs> we thank you so much for being here and um this will be posted as soon as ashley spends 80 hours editing everything with better wi-fi yeah thank you so much it was so nice connecting i'll chat with you soon Bye. bye